You're listening to Get Talking, a podcast aimed at educating and opening up discussion about mental health issues. Here are your hosts, Jason Welch and Christine Howell-Stains. If you got a problem, makes you scream and shout. Maybe there's another way to work it out. Take a breath in and let it out. Get Talking. Hello again, listeners. And welcome back to another episode of the Get Talking podcast. As you know, in this series, we've been talking all things sleep and this week will be no different. But I'm going to let Christine give you more detail on the topics. Okay, yeah. So this is uh, podcast five, I think, in this series on sleep. And we've learned in previous podcasts that sleep is fundamental, haven't we, to our well-being, both physically and mentally. And We've looked actually at one very specific sleep disorder, and that was insomnia. It took us four podcasts to cover the subject because it's huge and it affects a lot of people, more than 30% of the world's population. Um, Before we end this series of podcasts, I really want to talk about some of the other sleep disorders. And to do this, I think we should refer back to the DSM. Do you remember that? Yes, that's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health that we discussed in earlier series. Oh, well done. You've been doing your homework. That's really good. Yeah, it is. It's that horrible title, isn't it? If you remember, I I think I said that there are 10 sleep disorders listed in in the DSM and insomnia is just one. Now, the others, let's just quickly run through them, are hypersomnolence, that means oversleeping, which interestingly is a predominantly male phenomenon, <laughs> contrary probably to popular belief. Narcolepsy, which is falling asleep inappropriately and uncontrollably, yep. which is a, a very distressing uh, condition. Breathing-related disorders, so that includes sleep apnea. Nightmare disorder, which is self-explanatory. REM sleep behavior disorder, Now, that occurs when that mechanism we talked about that paralyzes the muscles, you know, that prevents us acting out on dreams, when that mechanism isn't functioning properly. Um, There's restless leg syndrome. Again, that's probably self-explanatory. Okay. Circadian rhythm disorders and non-REM sleep arousal disorders, such as sleepwalking and, and night terrors. And finally drug-induced sleep disorders. So these can include both prescribed medications and substance abuse. Wow. So uh, there are quite a few there, Christine. So I guess where where on earth do we start? I know, in one podcast. Well, obviously, as a psychologist and not a sleep medicine expert, I'd really like to talk about the psychological effects or causes of these conditions. So in other words, you know, there can be two-way systems. And for example, if we're anxious, we may have nightmares. And that is actually a particular feature of of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And if we have nightmares, we can become anxious, anxious about falling asleep, anxious about our mental health. So if we can understand what's going on and be a little less anxious, we may be able to seek solutions. Yeah, that makes sense. I really want to start actually with one of my favorites. And I say favorites, not because it's nice particularly, but because it's something that I experienced in my late teens and my early twenties. And I recall being 
petrified at the time. And this is a REM sleep disorder, rapid eye movement sleep disorder of sleep paralysis. If anyone has woken up and been unable to move, even open their eyes, or worse still, had the impression that there was a presence in the room or a kind of heavy weight on their chest, then this is sleep paralysis. And honestly, it's really scary. Blimey, Christine, that actually sounds really quite scary. So are you saying that you actually wake up before your body does? Yeah, that actually, that's a good way of expressing it. Your brain kind of wakes up before that uh, mechanism that creates this paralysis has been switched off. So you're aware and you're awake, but you cannot move a muscle. Wow. It's very frightening. Yeah. Yep. You know, little's really known as to why some people have these experiences, but it seems that it's connected to stress. Um, it's actually more prevalent with post-traumatic stress disorder and with poor sleep hygiene, which was probably, I suspect, the case for me. I was young. I was probably burning the candle at both ends. The treatment is twofold, okay? So the first is to feel reassured that nothing is seriously wrong. You're not paralyzed. You know, this this will pass. And it it's normally seconds. I mean, it feels like forever, but it's it's a very short period of time. And you will be able to wake up and move around. It's just that it's a very slow waking up process. The second way of dealing with this is, is to have better sleep hygiene. And we've talked about that in earlier podcasts in this series. Okay. In my practice, I've, I've seen some young people, particularly girls, troubled by this phenomenon because they actually believed that there was someone in the room and they were too embarrassed to tell anyone about this because this was not, you know, they were not young children. These were teenagers um, or young women who were imagining that there was somebody in the room and they were afraid, embarrassed to, to kind of share this information but feeling very frightened. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes they have a feeling that they're being choked or, or that someone is, is pushing down on them. And in fact, there's been some really fascinating, albeit disturbing, representations of the art world. And the one that always comes to my mind is Fuseli's Nightmare, Henry Fuseli. He, he did more than one painting on this theme, but the most famous is a woman lying across a, um, a bed in a white nightgown with her arms sort of limp. And there's this awful looking demon sitting on her chest. It's quite a famous painting and people might already have seen it. It's worth Googling it. Yeah, yeah. The title's not exactly accurate because it's not a, a nightmare as such. It's that transition from sleep to wakefulness. But nevertheless, Google the image, you'll see what I mean. So for anyone who's experienced this frightening event, um, it's depicted very well in, in, in this image. Yeah, well, actually, I've not seen that image, but um, I have got it in my head and I already think it would represent it quite well. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, once I realized what was happening, by the way, then on the subsequent occasion, I mean, it happened a, a few years later, I was able to reassure myself and just wait those few seconds until I was able to move. Um, there's actually some research, some reports in the literature that if a person tries to force muscle movement, then it can actually speed up the process. So actually by trying to move, it, it does help. But it's about staying calm and, and not, not being afraid and not thinking that you're going mad or, or that there's a ghost in the room. Okay. Now, conversely, atonia, that's this loss of muscle tone, 
it can occur in other situations. It can occur when people are awake. This is another sleep disorder. And this can lead to something called cataplexy. And it's when people fall down suddenly. It's quite unusual. It's sometimes a symptom of narcolepsy, which is this, um, which is excessive daytime sleepiness, drowsiness. And the causes, once again, are not really fully understood, but seem to be connected to the loss of some neuron in, in the hypothalamus. Um, there are some drugs that, that can be prescribed, but once again, sleep hygiene is one of the recommended management strategies. It's also thought that stress induces cataplexy, so therefore keeping you know, psychologically well uh, will, will help. There's a, there's a couple of different themes coming through again, which I'm sure will continue, but um, we talked a little bit about anxiety, we talked about stress, and, and obviously we keep going on about sleep hygiene. So, you know, it's being re-emphasized in everything we say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a thread that's running through these other sleep disorders, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The other REM sleep disorders are seen as things like thrashing around in, in bed or, or talking or shouting. And Again, because the mechanism that paralyzes the muscles has been disrupted, you know, people are sort of acting out on their dreams. Now, this is only really a problem if it progresses to uh, something like sleepwalking, in which case medical advice should really be sought because obviously people could be putting themselves at risk. Or indeed, if, if the thrashing around means that we're hurting our sleeping partners, you know, that, that's not great. Yeah, that's quite interesting, actually. I remember my wife telling me when she was at university, she had a friend, everyone was in bed in the middle of the night, and then they heard they heard a loud noise, and they heard the front door open, and she just looked out the, her window, and, and, and one of her student friends was walking down the street in a in a nighty, and uh, she basically woke up and walked out the street. But, uh, but anyway, so that was a funny story. Well, not funny, but yeah. But one of the things I was going to ask there then, so we're talking about her and her partner, so I guess it begs the question, should we be sleeping in separate beds? People that have these sorts of disorders, you mean? Yeah. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I, th- I think if someone's really thrashing around and, and sort of whacking you across the head in the middle of the night, then yeah, it would really make sense. But it's not exactly what we imagine a loving, intimate relationship to be about, you know, uh, sleeping in separate beds. I mean, my advice would be to put sleep first. You know, if you're really struggling with a partner, you know, who snores or, or moves around a lot, you can be imaginative, can't you? you? You can spend time together at the beginning of the night and then move to separate beds later. I, I don't think people should feel embarrassed about that. No, no. And in some cultures, it's absolutely the norm. And there's probably a good reason for it being the norm. You know, if you can't bear to be apart from your loved one, then maybe some other small changes might work, such as a large bed with two separate mattresses or two single duvets. That, that's uh, often a good idea especially if people have different needs in terms of temperature. Just just being creative. Learning to sleep without a duvet, as I have done. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> wow. Oh, gosh. I'm a really cruel under the duvet person. Yeah, so is my wife. That was the point. <laughs> so, she's not worrying about you pulling the duvet off her then, is she? That's good. There's been some research actually to suggest that elderly people who sleep with their partners have better mental health. Okay. There's something going on there, isn't there? Some sense of security and and comfort. I mean, I would say that if you're not getting good quality sleep, 
then I would advise people to work on ways of, of demonstrating their affection and, and creating that sense of security at all times of the day and not just during the night. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, I think, I think that, again, I would agree, right? The message there is, unfortunately, you've got to find a balance, but you prioritize your sleep yeah. because that's where you have the biggest impact, right? Yeah, yeah. It impacts physical and mental health. Another disorder that I want to talk about is sleep apnea. Now, this should be really taken seriously because it can it can create serious risks to to health. There's no psychological component to this other than because it's, it's a physiological problem. But the only psychological component is that people are reluctant, often women, uh, to seek treatment. It appears that women tend to be slow to seek help for this, possibly because snoring, which is one of the features of sleep apnea, is maybe felt to be a bit more embarrassing for women. You know, it's not very feminine or something. Yeah. So on this note, I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about something else. Yeah, yeah. Gender differences. Stop you there. Is is that the correct term? What? Gender? Yeah. Ah, gender. Okay, probably not. Sorry. <laughs> Let me correct myself. I'm talking about sex differences. Differences between, yeah, biological sex, the sex that you're assigned at birth, not gender, which is how you feel. And that might not match your, your assigned sex, whether you feel more masculine or feminine. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm talking about differences between the biological sexes because there are differences in sleep and sleep disorders. So women are 40% more likely to report a sleep disorder. And from the research, it was seen that women on the whole have better quality sleep than men more slow wave restorative sleep, but they have poor sleep onset. So it takes them longer than men to fall asleep. We're talking about averages here. There are obviously exceptions. They're more likely to suffer from certain conditions such as restless leg syndrome, but then men are more likely to suffer with sleep apnea or the REM sleep disorders. Now, one thing's certain, and that is the negative effect of female hormones on sleep. And this is why I want to talk about it. There's some strong evidence for this. And that comes from the fact that children tend to have roughly the same levels of sleep problems across both sexes until they reach puberty. Okay. Yeah. And then at puberty, girls, they'll be more likely, two and a half times more likely to to experience that than boys. Oh, okay. And at the other end of that great hormone journey, (laughs) Uh, I'm talking about menopause, most women do notice sleep disturbance, you know, caused by night sweats and increased anxiety and and dreaming and so on. Wow, that's actually quite a shocking statistic. Yes, the perimenopause too, you know, there are years before and after when when people experience these hormonal uh, imbalances and changes. And then there's the years in between those two big events where, you know, women have, you know, they're filled with the joy of monthly, monthly periods and, and pregnancy hormones if, if people are, are having children. So it's not surprising, really, is it, that we see a bigger problem expressed by women? That's going to be during the menopause, right? Or after? From a psychological perspective, the message has to be that we should take this seriously. Okay. Uh, you know, seek help and get advice. Speak to your GP or, or a sleep specialist. Don't see it as anything abnormal. Mm-hmm. It's not a weakness. It's not something else to worry about. 
um, because we've, as we've discussed in previous episodes and series, anxiety about sleep is one of the factors that yeah. maintains poor sleep. Yeah. Now, another factor in female sleep problems is the higher rates of depression reported by women. Yeah. And this correlates to the higher incidence of sleep disorders. Women are still finding themselves today, you know, in the 21st century, responsible for the bulk of childcare, caring for elderly relatives, housework, and the expectation, you know, to have a fulfilling career. Now I know, don't shoot me down. I know that things are shifting, you know, um, and I know that you do your share, Jason, and so does my husband. Well, I'm not, I wouldn't admit to that, but yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you admit to it? <laughs> Share's an interesting word. That's what. That's all I would say. Okay. Okay. I mean, we all assign, you know, I, tasks differently. Yeah, yeah. Right? But the point here is, we are shifting, but there is still a lot of people doing what you're saying here. So there is certainly a shift, but but there's definitely a lot of emphasis. There's a lot of female uh, poverty in, in, in the world for, for this reason. So although it's shifting, it's a very slow process. And until we've got true equality between the sexes, it's going to remain a fact that women, especially in the middle part of their lives, have too much responsibility and are pulled in too many different directions. And multitasking is exhausting. You know, we, we, we need to change this as, at a societal um, level. I don't know if it's appropriate, but I wouldn't know because apparently I can't multitask. Oh, really? Who told you that? My wife. I'm going to come to that in a minute. It's interesting you said that. You probably can't. Anyway. Um... <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I've got a feeling I know where we're going with this. A lovely, lovely client of mine recently asked me if there was such a thing as high-functioning insomnia. Now, I want to give this example because I think that just sums up what I've been saying, doesn't it? You know, women doing too much and not getting enough sleep, you know, feeling worse for it. But there is likely to be the biological differences too. And maybe it's even those pesky hormones getting in the way. So let's have some geeky facts. Geeky facts. Right. You're going to love this, Jason. Research back in 2013 from Duke University in the US concluded that women struggle more than men from lack of sleep. They require more sleep. And when they don't get it, they're basically more grumpy in the mornings. I agree. 100% agree. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, that's not exactly the scientific term that was used, but it sums up you know, the, the research nicely. I, I think it was referred to as greater physical and mental responses. <laughs> so anger, anxiety, depression, and cardiovascular disease, it's actually quite serious. Yeah, yeah. Following from this, researchers at Loughborough University in the UK found that women required more sleep, yes, and around 20 minutes per night or more. Now, wait for it, because their brains work harder. <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm waiting for it now. With all that multitasking. <laughs> I'll say again, I wouldn't know. <laughs> the fem stay focused. The female brain has more flexibility and women use more of their brain. Hence, the need for more slow wave sleep. You know that deep sleep when it's basically shut down in order to, to recover? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all makes sense, doesn't it? No, I will have to just stop you, pause you for this, actually. I, I will say this, and I'll be completely open and honest about this, but... 
some of the stuff you just said there about needing more sleep, like the 20 minutes of additional sleep and stuff like that and, and waking up grumpy. I see that. I do see that. I can cope with having, uh, if I have one or two nights of less sleep, I can cope with it a lot better. My wife is definitely someone that needs a lot of amount of sleep. And again, I don't want to turn it to therapy session for her. But again, what you've been saying there about being, you know, overactive. Was it, oh, no, what did you say? Oh, I can't remember what you said. Multitasking. Yeah, where sometimes I think she's doing too much. And that's one of the reasons. And again, you're, you're kind of saying it, it's one of the reasons that she's actually not sleeping so well, because she is keeping herself so busy all of the time. Yeah, because she can. Because women, their brains are a little bit more efficient at this multitasking thing. So back to the geeky facts. I want to explain, like, how do we know this? I mean, there's been various experiments, but I want to give you one because it's quite interesting. There's something called um, the Stroop test. And it's a, a neuropsychological test of, of attention. And it involves naming, if you can imagine, ink colors whilst looking at, at color words. So let me explain. So you'll see the word written blue, yeah. but it'll be yeah. written in green ink, for example. And you have to say yeah, yeah, green. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to say that it's green. And and that that's a tricky task. And women under the age of 60 are better at doing this than men without it interfering in another motor task. So the hypothesis here is that estrogen is playing a role in this super multitasking ability. Now, unfortunately, post-menopause, the female brain then returns to the same functioning level as, as the male one. Um, but anyway, it does kind of account for this exhaustion that, that, that women feel and the need uh, for women to have that extra 20 minutes and why women get yep. more deep sleep. I think it's quite fascinating, isn't it? No, it is. No, it is. On a serious note, I mean, I was, I was joking through some of that stuff, but no, it is very serious. Um, and, it, and it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's just recap, should we, um, on what might be some of the solutions that we can look to if we are experiencing any of these sleep disorders, whether it's hormonal, whether it's to do with um, dis, you know, dysfunction in the REM sleep process, um, sleep apnea, whatever. Keep a good sleep schedule. We keep banging on about that, but it's super important. Um, know your chronotype. Where are yep. the ups and downs in the day where you tend to function better or not? And, and go with that. Try and arrange your routine around that. Cat nap, if needs be. So that's a very yep. powerful tool. Avoid alcohol just before bed, most of the time. Get plenty of exercise so you increase your sleep drive. Keep the bedroom dark. And if you're experiencing one of these disorders that we've mentioned in this podcast, speak to a doctor or a sleep specialist. Do not put up with it because sleep's vital. But don't worry, one or two sleepless nights, I've said this before, or a shift in your sleep schedule is not the end of the world. Distract yourself, take a warm bath, read a book, listen to something soothing. I just want to go quickly go back, actually, uh, Christine, on, on that. I guess being a little bit pedantic myself now, avoid alcohol just before bed. That doesn't mean drink lots of drink and then stop drinking at eight o'clock and go to bed at 10. You know, it's, it's about 
taking alcohol in right levels as well. So not drinking too much alcohol that's going to affect your sleep. So I just want to kind of reiterate that point. And one of the reasons I say that is because I talked to quite a few people about it. And uh, I've stood in front of uh, a few people in the British Army and, and kind of talked about alcohol and sleep and, you know, get a, f- a few funny looks. So alcohol can be quite disturbing to your sleep so we've talked about it quite a lot but I just want to reiterate that point yeah yeah I suppose what you're saying is um excessive intake of alcohol is just is not good full stop and we know that because it impacts on anxiety depression um, and it causes problems in people's relationships it basically dampens down our control centers in the frontal lobes but here in this series of podcasts what we're saying is if you're going to have a glass of wine with dinner, make sure that it's not, you know, dinner just an hour before going to sleep because it will interrupt the, the sleep cycle and you won't get a good quality, refreshing sleep. You put it better, Christine. <laughs> Thank you. So I think that uh, unfortunately draws a close to at least us talking about sleep. But um, before we go, Christine, can we have a top tip for this week, please? Right, so my top tip um, at the end of this podcast on other sleep disorders um, is that these other sleep disorders are actually medical conditions. And so my advice is, and my tip is, if you're experiencing any of these, and not just sort of, you know, one or two nights here or there, but if if any of these conditions are, are getting in the way of sleep, go and speak to your doctor, go and see a sleep specialist, Um, take it seriously. So that concludes this series. We hope you enjoyed what we had to say. Please do give us your feedback and we'll be back very soon. And I'm going to say bye for now. And I'm going to say bye too. And I'm going to just slip off and have a little cat nap. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please contact us through our website, www.gettalkingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's all for now, and we hope you join us again for our next episode. Get Talking.